Hello and welcome to the British Chambers podcast channel. We're delighted to bring you a second season of in-depth discussions and conversations with our members and high-profile speakers, ranging from topics like trade, fintech, arts, sports, and more within Singapore, ASEAN, and the UK. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome to our listeners. My name is David Kelly. I'm the Executive Director here at the British Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. 2021 has been another hard year, and one that we won't forget, but there is still good reason to celebrate great business success. For the second year running, the pandemic has forced us to transform our annual awards ceremony into a live and interactive online event. And there was absolutely no doubt that we would find and uncover stories of success and inspiration from across our network. And we were not disappointed. We are the longest running awards initiative by an international chamber in Singapore. So join me today to find out more about our winners and their initiatives that saw them scoop the top awards. I'm delighted to be welcomed for today's podcast by two of our winners. We've got Graham Burchell, Executive Group Chairman at Joel's International Limited, winners of our UK Exporter of the Year Award, and Joel Carpenter, Divisional Director of Marketing at St. James's Place Wealth Management Asia, winners of our UK Impact in Singapore Award. So let's get into it. The important relationship between the UK and Singapore is the main topic of conversation today. So something that is at the very core of the strategy here at the Chamber. Graham, Joel, a huge welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining me. Graham, if we can, if we can start with you, congratulations on Shaw's International being announced winners of our UK Exporter of the Year Award. Can we just start with a bit of an overview of who Shaw's International are and, and why you entered the Business Awards in the first place? Okay, yeah. So Shaw's is a private family-owned business, a sort of medium-sized business based in Suffolk in the UK. I mean, it started from... A front bedroom 32 years ago, like many good businesses do, and has sort of grown uh, over the years. And we now trade across to four continents, including Southeast Asia. But we're fundamentally, we're still a family business. So our key business is household cleaning products. And we've developed a number of brands, in particular, Buster, Bin Buddy, Alchemy, Naus, uh, amongst others. And I think our success over the years has been innovation, uh, investment in design and, and marketing. And I think we essentially try not to, we don't, we don't follow, we don't sort of copy other people necessarily. We try and, and lead. And I think that's been our, our, our key success. And we, we compete in the UK, we compete in all of the major supermarkets and we compete against very large multinationals in the UK. And Really, I think I think we, we pride ourselves on, on, on we're, we're people driven, people focused, uh, both internally and externally. That, that's great to hear, Graham. When did you start exporting to Singapore? We started trading in 2014. I had been looking at Singapore and the region for, for some time before that. And we had done various pieces of research supported by UK DTI, I think, as it was then. And we, we didn't know which model we were going to come into the market we were looking initially at distributors, but in the end, and as sometimes happens or often happens in business, opportunities arise. And I met somebody based in Singapore who we got on well with, a, a trained FMCG person, Mr. Rene Chia, who had been with Diageo and Coca-Cola and Unilever in, in, in his previous life and was, say, highly experienced. And we, we'd been talking for some time and he agreed that we would set up directly an office in Singapore from day one. 
and, and invest in that and effectively, you know, take on an employee as opposed to going through a distributor. And I think that, that's been, been great for us and you know, part of why we've been successful there. Oh, super. I'm really sort of keen. I mean, we have a lot of SMEs that we work with within the chamber to support their export journey. Have you have you got any sort of bits of advice that through your journey that you can sort of share with other listeners? Because, you know, sort of being based in Suffolk, thinking about the other side of the world, you know, getting your products out there, meeting the right people. It's, it's you know, you've been on you've been on that journey. Is, is there sort of sort of any learning points that you might be able to share with our listeners? I think every company is different. And I think for me, I think the, the business really from day one, from starting in a front bedroom all those years ago, you know, the initial plan was just to put some food on the table, to be honest. I was never expecting to be a multinational business manufacturing. So often I think you've got to look for opportunities that, that work for you. So for us, you know, it was there. I kept looking around. You've got to get in the market. I mean, I think everybody agrees that you can't do it remotely. You've got to be there. You've got to breathe it, feel it, talk to people, network and see where it goes from there. And, and, and there's a lot of investment, a lot of time, a lot of time on planes in hotels and that's what you've got to do if you don't do it you're going to be pushing water uphill the whole time then I think you've got to have an open mind and you know say my initial idea was to come through a conventional way through a a local distributor I couldn't find the right distributor for me Uh, and being a small company one of the problems that a lot of the distributors based there are already established so your competition are already based in in the good distributors have been gobbled up with your competitors and so we couldn't really find somebody, but then an opportunity occurred, say, to, to actually recruit our own person. So I think mm. so have an open mind, look for opportunities. Fabulous advice. Really, really fabulous advice. And I understand you've also earmarked sort of other countries within the ASEAN region for distribution in the coming years. What, what other countries are you looking at and sort of what stage are you uh, on, on that export journey to other countries? Yeah, well, I think really from day one coming into Singapore, what we realised talking to people very quickly is it was going to be very difficult to get to sort of break even just operating in Singapore with the operating costs there um, and obviously a a relatively small market. So it was always the intention was to use that as our launch base into other countries around, around the area. So where we're at on that journey, and I think, again, that's been helped by having our own team there who are much closer to those markets Clearly, we've got an experienced team who have had their own previous experience in the region. That's helped. So we're not starting completely from scratch. So we currently have small trading in Singapore. Uh, we're doing some trading now in Brunei and in Malaysia. But we've, we've earmarked the other countries. So Indonesia, Philippines, Thailand uh, in particular, we're looking at at, at the moment. And as I say, Philippines as well. Fabulous. I understand. I mean, we're coming out the back of a really important time for the UK around COP26 and the sustainability agenda. And I know that, you know, you have a number of goals in terms of making your products eco-friendly and make them as eco-friendly as possible. I think also you're currently harvesting rainwater and using solar panels at your factory in Suffolk that you mentioned right when we were starting as well. So... Is this a consumer-led move? Is it? Is it been driven by the business? Is it? Is it? Is it what your customers are, are looking for? How to developing that sustainability journey as well? Well, in terms of what it's driven, I think I guess for all of the above. As a family-owned business, I think like many family-owned businesses, I think you tend to take a much longer-term view of the business and uh, resilience of the business is obviously very important. Long-term resilience of the business. Our move really, and it's one of our core values in the business is sustainability and that's really on two sides one is say is the resilience 
but the other side is we we don't expect to be necessarily green that's not our sort of well yes it'd be lovely if we could but it's not always easy to do but mm. we like to be environmentally responsible i think mm. that's really the, the the driver word for us so when we built our offices and one of our a distribution unit here in suffolk we built it from the ground so we could we basically future proofed it as best we could and that included making it very the building very environmentally responsible um very efficient uh, but included allows us to put in rainwater harvesting so we collect all of the water off our roofs and, and collect it and we use it not just in, in toilets but we actually process that and use it in in our products oh, wow. and then it clearly you know we were able to put uh, pv solar panels on the roofs as well so that's driven first because we wanted to do it right but it clearly there is a, a consumer interest there as well and then with our, with our own products you know we we look to we're always looking to try and improve those in terms of environmentally so clearly they they are recyclable we're looking at using reclaimed plastics where possible and about building that into our products with, with same with, with cardboard etc so i think it, it's it's sensible moves forward so we're not going out there we're not going to the consumer and saying we are a green company because we we're not but nor are we a bad company but we're doing what we think is the right things oh it's really good to hear that part of your journey and graham before i bring joel into the conversation I think if I had a if I had a dollar or a pound for every time we mentioned COVID, um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably be very rich this year. But I mean, you know, you're delivering and exporting cleaning products around the world. Has have you seen that export sort of model change because of the pandemic, either through logistics and supply chain challenges, or or the consumer move to become cleaner and have cleaner desks, etc. You know, have, how has that impacted your business? Well, as 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 one of the senior managers here, I have to say, you know, you see by my grey hairs, I've you know, seen a lot of things over the years from recessions, we had a major fire, but I think COVID has been probably the most challenging period as a manager that I've ever experienced and, and continues to be so uh, in terms of partly because of the first big problem is getting people through that problem. You know, I've yeah. seen so much fear in people's faces as when the COVID started hitting and challenging, you know, challenging the UK, clearly challenging around the world, including, including Singapore. It has affected our business in many ways. We've had to adapt to the new ways of working. There's certainly been supply problems throughout, and particularly now we're seeing, certainly here, a lot of inflationary impacts on, on the business, componentry, uh, lead times are clearly a lot longer. Uh, shipping costs have gone through the roof. They're all big challenges, but also we, I have to say we were in the right business at the right time. We were very, very lucky and you know doing cleaning products so that when the pandemic hit whilst we had production challenges we also had uh, sales that suddenly accelerated because everybody was doing more cleaning in that in, in in really every market that we were operating in that has obviously softened down a bit more getting back more to, to normality but we 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 gained from that side so it's a bit a bit of you know wins and losses really through that whole operation but it continues to be a big challenge. Sure. Can I, can I, can I ask you a really silly question? And yeah. it's, you've, you've mentioned how challenging it has been as a manager through getting people through 
the challenge of, of COVID. If you're a small business in the UK and you're, you're exporting to other parts of the world and you've got lots and lots of distractions and you're having to focus on the key elements and probably people's one of, one of the top bits, right? How have you had to sort of think about you as a manager and, and how you've been able to prioritise your role in the last sort of couple of years as well? And, you know, for the benefit of the business, has it been sort of knuckling down and getting through it in the UK or have those sort of international markets still remained open and still been, still been a huge opportunity for you? Well, I think, you know, with modern technology, the modern world is, is, is shrunk. You know, we're talking here across across the globe quite happily. It's quite normally now, you know, it's no longer the sort of a the sort of, the sort of excitement. Well, it is exciting, but it's not the issue it used to be. It's very normalised. So it, 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 it was challenging, have problems here, but we, we don't see it. I guess fundamentally as a family business and we, we include Singapore and, and the USA, you know, the, the connections there. I mean, to give an example, you know, we, we've got a husband and wife team just operating in our team in Singapore, which is, and it, which is very typical of us here. Yeah. Um, so we don't see, we don't see them as separate cells. We, yes, they are, they are on a different time difference and they're on a different part of the world, but we see them daily as part of our family. And clearly with, with things like Zoom or Teams, it's very easy to do it. So from my point of view as a manager, um, my time, I consider all my all my team. Doesn't matter where they are. So regularly talking, I couldn't. Normally, I would be out in Singapore at least a couple of times a year, be there with them, you know, going out for dinner and talking through business, etc. Clearly, we, I wasn't able to do that. I had to do that more remotely. But we were talking regularly. I mean, talk every you know most days with with my team there, and yeah, doing things. We had a give an example. We we couldn't have a Christmas staff meeting or party last year like most businesses but we managed to construct an, an online party effectively but a business meeting and party based here it actually one of our factory units and we got an av team in as well and we we zoomed in every every member of our staff from around the world and it was a bit like i modeled it on live aid linking across the globe and bringing people in at different times and we we'd sent out boxes with presence in there that were they could open when it was their time so they as best we could we used technology to join everybody together as one big family unit and it and it worked fantastically oh wow no really really good set. thank you thank you it's really really great to hear your sort of export journey how you've managed the last couple of years i think absolutely deserve it of our of our winner of our, our uk exporter of the year award graham thank thank you so yeah. so, so, so much Finally, add clearly the key thing is because we're a unit, it's the team, Marene and, and his team in actually in, in, in Singapore who clearly deserve the biggest credit for, for, for the award, really. I mean, they've, they've done a fantastic job through very difficult times. Oh, super. Sounds like, sounds like a great part of your business over here as well. Congratulations. Joel, great to have you with us as well. Congratulations on St. James's Place Wealth Management Asia being announced the winner of our UK Impact in Singapore Award. Great to have you with us. Can we just sort of have a bit of an overview of St. James's Place for those that haven't heard of you and, and why you went to the awards this year? Yeah, of course, David. It's great to be here with yourself and, and Graham today. Um, and uh, so firstly, and apologies, I know that this is, is your podcast, but um, I was going to start the answer to that question by asking you a question. Um, so what I'd like to ask you, David, is, is can you define your impact, um, you know, your financial well-being, creating your impact that you want, whether that be your financial future, that of your family for generations to come, and even that broader environment, which is, of course, increasingly important. And we've already heard um, a, lot of, a lot of comments about that today. But achieving it in a, an uncertain world, as it really is today, can be incredibly challenging. What we do, what St. James's Place exists to help you understand the impact that you want to create. 
to help you navigate that journey in terms of achieving it. That be through the markets, inflation, rising, rising living costs, shock events like COVID over the last few years, you know, the emotional challenges of investing. We should never underestimate that. You know, managing money and investing correctly can be an incredibly challenging thing. And St. James's Place is really here to help you make informed and, and healthy investment decisions. And um, you know, luckily, we, we've got a little bit of experience in it. Um, we're approaching our 30th birthday. Um, we have approximately 1 million clients uh, across the globe, predominantly in the UK. We're the UK's largest wealth manager in our sector. We manage approximately £148 billion of, of assets on, on their behalf. It's an incredible privilege to be entrusted with that. And um, similar to, to, to Graham, Graham mentioned the 2014. We came here to Asia in 2014 too. I'm really seeing an opportunity to, to help expatriates here to start with. Um, that British business community, because it's core at what we do. Um, and then the more the wider population as we continue to grow, there's a, a real opportunity there to help individuals understand, grow and protect their wealth. And as part of the British community um, and with British being at our core, it's really important that we really take part and we join in with the British Chamber. I think the British Chamber have done a fantastic job over the last two years, helping a number of businesses like ourselves stay connected and navigating a number of those challenges. And what I would say is we've probably been a little bit too standoffish in places before, but it was really important that we use that as a, as a catalyst to, to really re-engage and you know, applying and uh, putting ourselves forward for, for the British Business Awards was, it was really to, to mark those kind of, the, what we've done to really re-engage with the British community and really make sure that we are part of it moving forward and in the future, because it's always going to be at the heart of what we do. Super. And for those, for those that weren't able to tune in, the UK Impact in Singapore category is the only award that's voted by the live audience on the night. Um, so it, re it really was a, you know, a, a great sort of three-way battle between brilliant finalists and, and, and you got it. What was, that, what was that initial sort of feeling like when you, uh, when you announced it as the winner? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that it was just a privilege to be there, you know, sat with them, some fantastic yeah. brands all, all evening. It was great to meet some really senior people that have done some really great things. Um, but of course, everybody wants to win and when your name's read out it, it just feels really special it's it's a little bit of a, a crazy experience isn't it you, you're sat there in your shirt and tie and your, your your suit jacket and you're in your shorts and your family are watching at the other side because they wouldn't normally attend these things would they your family would be um you know they'll be at home and you'd come home and you'd tell them how you did um you, you know the, the children would be in bed but they're watching it and uh, it just makes it really kind of real and it, it actually helps you know, the, the, the help, it just helped them always feel part of it and, and, and what we do. So it was a, it was a great experience. Um, and not knowing whether you've won, um, seeing the live vote, you know, it, just just getting that recognition of your peers is it means something. Yeah, we, we've all worked really hard and it was really good to join the awards and just take a step back after, like you said, it's been a, a busy few years. There's been so much going on. Businesses have been in hyperdrive as they've developed in certain ways and adapted. But just to take a step back, we don't do that often enough and just actually recognize your achievements, recognize where we're doing a pretty good job and then have others recognize that too. It, it feels great. Oh, so super well. I mean, I mean, to be vote, voted on the night by the community, um, clearly the UK impact in Singapore is absolutely well justified there. You mentioned sort of going through through a challenging couple of years as well, and you know we, we, we talked to talked to Graham about the COVID the COVID question. But how how has the pandemic sort of influenced the way you've been supporting your clients in the market here, both here and in the UK? If you're able to share some of those, yeah, of course, Dave. In some ways, we were we, we were lucky that we were already on the journey of of digital transformation. We have clients that were and hopefully will be again very globally mobile. 
Um, we have a suite of fund managers that we select from around the globe. So really embodying technology has been the core of what we're, at the core of what we do for, for a number of, of years. So things such as you know, Zoom meetings and, um, and other things like that, webinars. We were all we were already on along that journey, but um, coupled with you know the use of CRM, etc. Um, but what COVID of course does is it acts as a, as an accelerator. So whilst we were able to, to move quickly and adapt quickly, really what it enabled us to do is it it really challenges us to think about how we adapt, how we use data to provide a, a much greater personalized service to individuals because individuals and businesses are figuring out their new ways of working, their new preferences for being communicated and engaged with. And we've got to adapt to that and we've got to be flexible around it. And we've got to listen and learn from them and show us, show them that we're, we're listening and that we're, we're learning as well. But I think similar to what, to what Graham mentioned also, Graham used it's a really great example in terms of, of people and people, uh, pe- people are fundamentally uh, at the heart of what we do. You know, we exist to provide relationship-based advice to, to individuals and how we adapt and use technology, but how we do that and blend it with the face-to-face, the personal service, that, you know, that was really the key to, to, you know, key to successfully navigating those two years. And also what I would say is it's been an incredibly emotional time for investors. Um, we've seen markets drop, we've seen uncertainty, we've seen job insecurity, um, we've seen individuals you know, not knowing whether they'll be staying in Singapore, not being able to travel separated from families. There's a lot of emotion in that. And there's naturally so. And um, what we were able to do is think about our audience and the needs of that audience, not just putting on, you know, investment seminars and webinars that people can probably hear from various places, um, you know, any day of the week. But thinking about the needs of our audience, what are they actually going through and what they're going through are probably similar things to what we're going through. So, if they've got stresses, if they need to think about how they adapt to a remote working environment at the start, if they need to think about, you know, how they support their families through some of those things, their businesses, their business colleagues, we what we just simply did is, is think about what we're doing for our people and just broaden those out. Why not have a webinar where our people can attend, um, which is about well-being and um, and invite our audience, invite our clients, invite that community. And I think we did a pretty good job of really dialing in and understanding that it's you know, those times we always talk about great client service everybody talks about a client-centric approach but that was really the time to put your money where your mouth is and demonstrate that you do what you say you're going to do you've just opened my mind to something which is which is really impactful because it's not just about your clients is it it's you know it's their families it's their future and that impact is it's amplified hugely in terms of your your client base right i mean that's 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 super important in terms of the the, the wider impact of the community more broadly and not just your individual clients yeah, absolutely. Ultimately, financial well-being is not about one generation's lifetime. It's about generations to come. It's about what the individual wants to create in terms of their impact and their legacy. That may be the financial well-being of the children. It may be creating that, that legacy for the family and, and ensuring that that wealth is managed with the same set of values for generations to come also. So we've got, we've got to take a, a, a multi-generational approach. And there's a lot of interesting facets to that financial education. How do we help the younger generations prepare for inheriting wealth? How do we help them from a young age ingrain, ingrain habits that are going to help them in the future around managing budgets, managing debt, um, those types of things? And also around understanding, the, like I said, the impact that they may have on, on play, things like the environment, helping them realise that they, they can use money as a much greater force for good than perhaps people realised in the past. 
Oh, super. And you mentioned people. I think since you set up in 2014, you've employed and trained around 400 local partners here. I mean, that, that's that, that's hugely impactful. Can, can you just share a little bit around what that programme looks like in terms of when you're training people? Because I think you've also got the um, SJP Asia Academy as well. So really keen to hear about sort of both elements of that within, within SJP. Yeah, absolutely. Like as a business, we've used the term impact already several times in, in this conversation. But what we want to do in terms of our impact is, of course, help our clients, but also leave a mark on the industry here in terms of helping elevate a standard of, of advice and really embody a client, a long-term client-centric approach. And the industry has done a great job over the last 10 years of really focusing on that developing the reputation, developing the quality of advice that it gives to clients, developing the, the, the client centricity, developing the, the transparency. But it's a continuous learning cycle. And given our longevity in the UK, given the experience that we've got there, we feel like we've got something to really offer by engaging here. And one of the things is, is that if we want to continue to grow, if we want to realize our vision here um, and, and grow sustainable for the long term, we, of course, have to, to grow that business in terms of the number of individuals that we have out here, our advisors, we call them our partners. And that means that they can help fundamentally more individuals here. And to do so, there aren't simply enough individuals out there. Ours is not a model which is built on, on commissions. Ours is a model which is built on long-term value. So we align um, our remuneration with the outcomes for the client. And that's not a model which is right for everybody right now. Not everybody's ready for that model. So for us to continue to, to develop our business healthily and therefore drive industry standards, we need to find really good people. We need to find really good people that don't necessarily have the experience yet, that are interested in moving into a career in finance, that are committed to client centricity, that are committed to focusing on those long-term, you know, building a business for the long-term and realizing that long-term value. Then it's about finding the right people and creating the right structure, the right training programs for them, tapping into that huge resource that we have in the UK um, in terms of our St. James's Place Academy and giving them that real on-the-job live experience working with our advisors here. We can bring really good people in that have got the right values to further the industry here. Oh, super. So, I mean, I know I know we've mentioned impact, John, a number of times. You've talked about your clients, you've talked about your people, you've talked about families here. There's another really important part of what SGP does here in Singapore as well through the Charitable Foundation, the St. James's Place Charitable Foundation, which I know you contribute to many, many local charities and projects here. Can you just talk about some of the sort of key projects that are happening through your Charitable Foundation and, um, and what we can look forward to coming up? Yeah, absolutely. But firstly, the charitable sector is one that's been really hit hard over the last few years. If you think about all those fantastic physical events and fundraisers that happened in previous years, they stopped. There are so many charities out there that have really struggled, and there are so many causes out there that really need help. So we have, in the UK, it's the fifth largest corporate charitable foundation. And for us to be able to, to bring that into Asia, and I'm really fortunate to, to chair the governance committee for that and, and be quite close to some of the benefits that we that we have and, and see them firsthand. Here in Singapore, we've been able to donate 160,000 Singapore dollars to a range of charities. So we've been able to raise 160,000, but we've actually been able to donate 470,000 Singapore dollars. Um, and that's included some, some big grants to, to places like Sportscare, Care in the Community, uh, Compassion Fund and the Cerebral Palsy Allowance for Singapore. 
And also what we do is we work with Community Chest as part of their share program, which means that all of us here, all our, all, all our employees, all our team, we have the option to give as we earn. And that's matched by business. Um, it's also matched by Community Chest. And we put that into three focused projects, the Rainbow Center, the Cerebral Palsy Alliance, and also the Autism Resource. So James Place Foundation, we really focus on three key things. We focus on children with giving that opportunity that they perhaps deserve, that they absolutely deserve, but perhaps haven't been, been afforded, cancer and hospices and mental well-being. And the last one around mental well-being is something which has really, really come to the forefront over the last few years. Um, lots of individuals, you know, kind of you're really struggling to, to navigate that as we've gone through various, um, you know, various events. So we, we've been able to see firsthand how we've really been able to help some of those charities. We don't focus on big charities. We focus on charities where we can see an input, where we can be involved, where we can volunteer. It's fantastic to work with certain charities. Um, I remember sat in, um, in, in KK Hospital dressed as Santa Claus hiding in the toilet, you know, ready to come out and, and, and visit some of And it's just great just to be able to be involved in, in things like that and, and just give a little bit back. We, we, we exist in a world here where we're very fortunate. Um, we really are. And um, if we've got the resources to give back to certain things like that, then um, then, then it's that, then we absolutely should be. Another one, if I, if I could mention that, I think he's a brilliant founder, brilliant charity is, um, is Boys Town, Boys Town that we, we work with here. It's a fantastic charity that, that work and support boys from, from up to the, kind of through the teenage years. And um, we have a number of friendly and not so friendly football matches with them and we get them involved in certain things. Oh, yeah, it's great. They do some terrific work there and being able to, to support them in terms of grants, being able to just be there and actually get involved in some of those things and give them the opportunity to, 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 you know, to, to, to integrate with us. And it just helps us understand a lot more uh, as, as expatriates sometimes. We, we can live in a bit of a sheltered bubble and it's really important that we get out there and we understand you know, the, the, some of the broader challenges that do exist here in, in Singapore. There are you know, challenges out here and um, Singapore government does, does a wonderful job in meeting some of those needs, but it can't do it alone. And there are some great charities out here too, but the more that we can do to support that, the more we can understand it. It, it, it just, you know, we want to, we want to demonstrate that we are a, a, a corporate citizen and we're committed to, to being in Singapore and adding value in, in a number of different ways across a number of different stakeholders. Oh, that's super, Joel. I mean, really, really, really great to hear. I mean, I think absolute congratulations again to, to SJP, yourself, the team for winning the UK Impact in Singapore. I mean, I absolutely deserve it from the conversation we've had. And just bringing Graham back into the conversation as well, just to sort of close, the, close it, it's been really great to hear about the UK and Singapore. There is an SGUK partnership for the future, which is signed between both countries. So great relationships between both. Just really keen to hear sort of what your next steps are. What does 2022 and beyond look like for, for both of your businesses? Great, Graham, how about you first? Uh, well, I mean, the challenges are still there, you know, in terms of coping with the ongoing situation with obviously COVID. But also we're now seeing different phases. You know, we're seeing employment problems, a lot of job churn, are big challenges. But clearly, as always, you know, there are opportunities out of a challenge. So we're, we're driving forward with a lot of new products, innovation. It's interesting, actually, from, from a Singapore point of view, we, we have a product launched, planned for next year, launching somewhere around the middle part of the next of next year, when we, we're looking at that as a, a launch, an international launch. So we've been doing research, we did market research, both in the UK and Singapore and Thailand at the same time, which has been really interesting, obviously using the modern technology. We weren't able to have live research groups, etc. So we're running online research groups. So that's been fascinating from a development point of view, 
seeing what the differences are as always between the markets, but also seeing what the similarities are between the markets. So that's exciting. And this, we're, we're very excited by this new product and some other innovations we're coming on. So as always in business, you can't keep still. You've got to keep driving forward. I think from, you know, we're looking forward to, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting back to Singapore for a start. That's hopefully not too far away. We initially rented an office. We've now bought and fitted out an office in Singapore of our own, which is, which is good. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing it live. So, yeah, no, I think we, we're all, as always, uh, optimistic about the future, but obviously recognising the challenges. So, yeah, we, 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 we'll, we'll keep plodding on. We hope we can welcome you to Singapore soon. Joel, how about yourself? What's 2022 and onwards looking like for, for SJP? Yeah, thank you. Um, look, I, I think part of it is just continuing to, to learn and evolve. If you'd have asked me two years ago, I would have been sat here doing a podcast with um, with you, David, and uh, and Graham Dowling in from the UK, you know, a leader in, in cleaning products. I would have said probably not, but just listening and learning that there's so much here to learn, you know, and it doesn't matter what industry you come from. It, it's been great and just keeping an open mind and continuing to, to develop. What I'm really looking forward to is is getting back and meeting meeting people. Yeah, there are people from our team that have been here two years nearly, and I haven't actually met them. I feel like you've met them, but you've not met them. Um, and it's going to be great just to get back to some of that because that's I think that's the key to really understanding culture and values. Um, we can talk about it. We can have structured conversations like that. But being around other human beings in that working environment and learning from each other that's how we really embody that culture piece and the other side of it is how we just con- how we continue to to embrace technology the world is going to to, to settle down at, at some point and so what does that mean in terms of, you know, of of events in terms of communication in terms of client engagement so we've got to really continue to to evolve our, our technology really understand our data so that we can really understand our our audience and we're at an interesting phase in our development where we have a 2025 vision and, and it's all about sustainable and, and scalable growth. You know, Graham just mentioned about you know, how the importance of, of growth and growth is incredibly important for us. It's about creating that framework that is scalable um, and that is also sustainable. And we're at an interesting juncture in, in there as we continue to, to further that. And um, it's really about just continuing to, to learn, to adapt, and really apply that in a way which is um, which is, is going to position us for success. Well, thank you so much. Um, look, once again, many congratulations. It's been absolutely fantastic to talk with both of you today from both the Singapore and the UK. And what, what, a, what a great theme we've had. It's been great to hear you share your success stories and, and what you've been doing to empower your organisations to have a to have an impact and to support that export journey as well. It's been absolutely fantastic and been wonderful to hear your thoughts too about, about winning the awards. It's been really good to have you. So thank you so much. And I hope we can see you both in person soon. I hope we can welcome you over here, Graham, to, so you can see your new office. And, and Joel, we've, we must catch up and look forward to you at the next, next Chamber Networking event too. Thank you, David. Great to meet with you and obviously with you, Joel. Great to be on- online with you. And you, Jake Graham. We'll look forward to welcoming you soon. Thank you, David. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe and rate our channel on Spotify, Apple, Google and all other podcast platforms. For more information about the Chamber, please visit www.britchan.org.sg.